A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and Alison Rudd of the Times. It's the clash of the titans, a collision of egos. You've guessed it. I'm talking about United v City, or more pointedly, about Jose v Pep. So a nice, easy question to start mm -hmm. with, Johnny. Who's the better coach? Well, it's like the, is Messi better than Ronaldo question in management? I mean, when I look at those two, I, I, the first thing I think is, you know, who would I least rather want to go for a pint with? Because they're both completely obsessive, self-obsessive um, guys who I think live in their own world and very hard to get a sense of them outside football management. Um, I, I think a sort of simple answer would be, I think Guardiola is the, the outstanding creative coach of his generation and Mourinho is probably the outstanding reactive coach. It's two different schools and they've both reached the pinnacle of those schools. Maybe who you prefer just comes down to how you, how you see football. Personally, I would go with Guardiola because I think he creates things. I think he's created uh, team after team that, that, that has a stamp, a, a way of playing football. He's created players, um, he's, he's brought joy and he's won as much as Mourinho. I mean, Mourinho's statistically got more trophies, but Guardiola's been doing it in a shorter period of time. Mm. So personal preference, Guardiola, but I, I know you could make a different argument for Jose Mourinho and it'd be pretty convincing. Mm. Let's try and break it down then, Ali, if we can, into sort of specifics. What about their man-management styles? They're not that dissimilar, actually, mm. I would argue. Um, if you buy in, if you buy in, if you're a player and you buy into the cult of those two managers, yeah. they will look after you properly. Yeah. Um, so the way that uh, Jason Mourinho has been with Fellaini this season, I think, is very instructive because he's nurtured him and he's made sure that the crowd have been on his side. I don't believe in booing your own players, but that did happen at mm. Old Trafford, and I think that's very clever man management. He's turned a a very important player, but a fringe player, arguably, into someone that the, the crowd will embrace and has bigger repercussions. So when Fellaini comes on, instead of the crowd thinking, oh, we're being negative or we're going to go long ball, this is a bad thing, Mourinho's managed to create this sense that he's someone he can rely on. Mm. Similarly, Pep will nurture those players if he feels they are doing as he used to do as a player, always open to learning, mm. work very hard, never questioning the system. Some like Raheem Sterling, you can see, he's clearly pressing the right buttons for that player and going through. But on the flip side, you've got someone like Aguero, who we all felt very privileged to mm. have in the Premier League, 
he has been criticising him, and he, he criticised him this weekend as well as someone who's... You know, the poor chap had a car accident. You know, it's bound mm. to have an effect, but the way Pep describes it, you sort of half think, is he having a go at him? And Mourinho did that with um, Luke Shaw. He did, yeah. it, You mm. know, and you think, well, what's the narrative here? If you, if, you, if you don't play it right as the player with those managers, you've had it. But somehow mm. it makes everyone else feel extra special that they're in the gang. Yeah. Who do you think is best at actually developing players, mm. working with them on a training ground? Uh, that, that, that is probably the biggest argument for Pep Guardiola in his favour. Um, just simply because of the, the the talents that he's taken and, and, and put into the sort of stratosphere in football terms. Sterling's a, Sterling's a very recent case in point, isn't it? Exactly, he's doing it with Sterling. I know that he's worked very closely with detail, and that's what he does, he's a very detailed coach. So, for example, he's, he's worked on how Sterling receives a ball. Sterling used to, at Liverpool, when he came through, that was one of the things at Liverpool that they saw. His receiving skills were incredible, but he lost that. He was starting to get the ball and try and stop on it and then try and beat a man, and he'd lost that, that thing that he did when he was a kid, which was just to take it and, and, and go into space. Guardiola's seen that and he's restored that, and it's, it's little details like that, changing the way they think. Again, with Sterling saying to him, you know, I will, I will come down on you if you don't try and beat a man. The absolute opposite to Pellegrini, who, who wanted Sterling just to be a kind of winger who, you know, touch the ball and cross it, which isn't his game, mm. and, and put negatives in his mind. So I think that's, you know, you look at the, the Bayern Munich players, the young players like Kimmich that he, he brought through, players like Philip Lamb, mature players that he, he changed, and he's doing that with David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, and of course the work he did at Barca. I know he inherited Messi, and Messi was already an outstanding talent, but the fact is that Pep Guardiola was the coach that took Messi from there to being possibly the greatest ever and and you know he was given the right type of management at that time so that, that that's his biggest mm. you know advantage over Mourinho who's young players maybe not not quite as 40. Because yeah, we're talking there of the the private rituals the you know behind closed doors stuff that goes on on a training ground what about within the public domain and their personalities who plays that public game the best Mourinho or Guardiola? Well we know you know Familiarity does breed some contempt, and we know Mourinho really well. Mm. We have a narrative with him. He arrived and called himself the special one. And it's been a series of love affairs with Mourinho, actually. We fell in love with him, and then we fell out of love with him, and then we fell in love with him again, and then we fell out of love with mm. him again, and then we watched him from afar and his antics abroad. So we feel like he is a... He's just a film script on his yes, own. Yeah. Whereas Pep Guardiola, um, this is his, you know, second season here. I think we're struggling slightly to know him properly. Mm. And just lately, we're seeing glimpses of him being um, maybe just as eccentric as Mourinho is capable of being. What, the PSG mm. stuff? and The PSG in basically be very openly courting him. Now, or was that just part of a contract negotiation? Look, I've got 18 months left on my contract. If you don't love me enough, I'm mm. going to go to PSG. Oh, well, I mean... Mourinho does not stop with that sort of stuff. I mean, he's, he, was, he was briefing his own players, I heard, that yeah. he was off to PSG, because he wanted that out there mm. so that he could make sure he got everything he needed at Old Trafford. Mm. I mean, he's much more openly Machiavellian than Pep mm. Guardiola. Who, but he's, it's almost like Pep Guardiola is having to tell us what he is. So he's mm. telling us, I cannot control my emotions. Mm. He's telling us, I am obsessive. 
Mourinho doesn't yeah. have to tell you what he is. We can see it more openly, I think. Mm. I, mean, I mean, when I said I'd, I wouldn't want to go for a pint with either of them, I, I, did, I did mean that. I'm sure they won't invite me. But <laughs> I, th I think one of the th things is that they, they do both exist in their own very, very self-obsessed worlds. There's cults around both of them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're both similar in the way that they surround themselves with entourages, acolytes. You know, mm. Guardiola's insulated with layers of people around him. And Mourinho's got his faithful retinue of goons almost that are with him all the time on the bench. And it's hard to imagine either of them having a real life outside football. I don't think they really do. I know I know Pep had this, you know, year in New York and he, he got on with Gary Kasparov. But, you know, he also said he can't go 32 minutes without talking or thinking about football, he's admitted that himself. Mm. So I'm not sure how much there is outside of football yeah. to these But lives. isn't this why a sport, you know, I I can look back at Ayrton Senna mm. against Alan Prost. And there are direct parallels there where if you take Senna as being the pep example, he was someone who almost was... He had this zen calm which could suddenly break into this huge anger, mm. whereas Prost was much more manipulative and probably more emotionally driven consistently. So mm. is this because... These guys operate at the top of their game, and that's just has, how it has to be. Yeah, I think it's really hard to be such an elite manager and not be absolutely 100% driven and probably slightly deluded to just ignore everything, ignore the opposite point of view, ignore any criticism, ignore the pitfalls, and have that, that level of conviction, because conviction is behind both of their management styles. You know, Guardiola, it's my way, it's 100% this style of football or nothing, and, and as Ali said, Mourinho, it is, you are with me, or you're nothing, and, and, and there is no in-between. Mm. What about recruitment, Ali, because, you know, you look at that City team, 400 million, incidentally, how on earth did they buy Mangala? <laughs> is he the worst £43 million player you've ever seen? Yeah, struggling to think of one worse. <laughs> but he doesn't... Renato Sanchez, it's the only, it's the only <laughs> contender. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking 43 million yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, yeah, if you've got that amount of money and... Is it simply not, a case not, of going out and getting the best player? You're going to make... You can, if you can afford to make a mistake, you will. Mm. It's, not, it's, it, it, it's, it's different at City. You can afford to throw 50 million quid down the drain with a mistake and it does not impact on your perception within the club, whether you've made a mistake. Someone else will take the fall for that. It won't be Pep's fault at all. I don't think. Mm. And also, um, Guardiola has this, still, I think, is benefiting from the fact that the club made it clear they wanted him and nobody else, and yeah. they would wait for him as yeah. long as it took, and he could have as long as it takes mm. to make it work at City. And no other manager has yeah. that brief and that comfort zone. So he can, he can make mistakes with recruitment, he mm. can make mistakes with what he says on TV, how he behaves after a match when he squares up to an opposition player. He can get away with those things and it's almost as if people think it's not worth having a go at him about it because he's not going to lose his mm. job. Mm. Let's talk about football, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> City last team to win at Old Trafford 40 games ago. Are they likely to do the same on Sunday? Yes, I think so. I think, I think Paul Pogba's injuries swayed it. Um, before then it was it was poised. I'm not saying United can't win, but I think the chances of them doing so have receded a lot with Pogba being out. Um, and City are, are seem so much better than everyone at the moment. I think the United included just 
that's what your eyes tell you when you're watching the game. Um, I don't think they change the way they play away from home. It actually might be harder for United to execute a, an ultra-negative defensive plan at Old Trafford. It might be easier to do that at the Etihad. Um, my money would be in City. Mm. City quite you know, admirably getting all the praise in terms of the way they're approaching the season. There's a relentlessness to them, almost like Fergie-esque in some of their late finishes. Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva, can we just talk a bit about them in terms of they, to me, embody the finer side of the game. Would you agree with that, Ali? Oh, they're beautiful players, absolutely beautiful. And I think what I like about them is they can be having a quiet game and yet you know deep down they will produce something, um, as they did against West Ham, mm. they will produce something exquisite to turn a match. Not just, not just a, a little bit of fluff, it's a crucial moment. Mm. And those sorts of players are so few and far between that know how to turn it on at exactly the right moment. So the either, either what you get with those players is that they dominate a match and you spend the whole match gushing about the accuracy of their passing and their vision. It's their vision more than anything because mm -hmm. you almost can't train that. They, mm. You've either got it or you haven't. So they have amazing vision. But the fact is if the whole team is slightly on the sluggish side, mm. I don't think City have been at their peak for um, several weeks no. now. But they will, it's as if they, what they do, and it's more uh, admirable than just knowing that they've got great technique, is that they can uh, ease into the pace of a game the way maybe the team isn't clicking quite as it should and adjust that so that when the moment comes they can pounce and get the killer goal. That's what's impressive about them. I, I mean, in, in, in football, sort of, you know, breaking it down why I think City are going to win or the favourites, it is that midfield. I do not see how United keep... Silva and De Bruyne are quiet. Um, apart from Matic, Josie doesn't really have the tools to, to lock up a midfield. He doesn't trust Herrera. He now doesn't have Pogba. Michael Carrick's out. You're then looking at Scott McTominay and, and younger players to come in or putting Phil Jones if he's <coughs> fit. In that, I do not see how they keep that midfield quiet. And, you know, he lost the midfield against Liverpool when he went away. He lost the midfield battle against Chelsea. Probably didn't win it against Spurs, even though they... They won the game, and it's it's an area of weakness for United when that Pogba-Matic combination isn't there, and it's obviously City's biggest strength. What's your view on on Lingard? Should he get the credit that he deserves? Yeah. He uh, hasn't had it, has he? Yeah, no, he, he hasn't had it at all, and it's been a strange kind of syndrome of fans getting being negative about a homegrown player. You see that at other clubs. It's a strange thing in English football. I don't understand it, but he is a player that makes everyone else better. Other players love playing with him. He was the guy that came in under Van Gaal and suddenly, right at the end of Van Gaal's reign, made the attacking part of that game make sense because he knitted things together. He made Martial and Rashford better. He loves playing with Pogba and Lukaku. You, you, you can see what he brings. And, and centrally, he's a very, very good player because he's got pace. He, he can drive when he's got the ball. Um, he doesn't have to beat players. That's, that's the flow in playing him wide. He doesn't beat players. But given some space to run with the ball into, and he's fantastic. And he's been arguably United's best player, apart from De Gea in the last couple of games. We're mm. very quick to label people, aren't we? Mm. And so he got labelled very mm. young, very early as a player who could only turn it on against the weaker mm. teams and just mm. wasn't scoring enough. But there is more to a player like mm. Lingard than that. And you have to nurture them. And as you say, it's not... It's how they, the other players feed off yeah. someone who's that dangerous and that quick. Mm. Because that's another thing that's always thrown at Mourinho 
doesn't trust young players, but he is showing a degree of faith in in a player like Lingard. And you know, to be honest, you know, there is a that tradition that I think he's probably mindful of. Yeah, no, I mean that's that that's something he has to deal with, Mourinho. Mm. That, that Pep Guardiola does not have to deal with. Mm. No one, nobody at City is asking Guardiola about. Are you buying into the city tradition? No one's quite sure what it is anymore. Anyway, yeah. it's it's now the tradition is we've got money, let's spend it, and let's win things. And if you want to do that in style, mm. then Guardiola is your man. No one is questioning how he does things. Whereas constantly at Man United, the words history, tradition, mm. respect are brought into the equation. And I can imagine Mourinho finding that incredibly frustrating. Why have you appointed me? You've appointed mm. me for, for me to be me. I, you know, I wasn't born in Manchester, get over it, sort of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and, and I, you know, that's, that's just a small thing, but it's, again, it's on the list of reasons why it's going to be tough for them to win at Old Trafford. Mm, yeah. Let's look at the other derby, mm. the Merseyside derby. Um, you know, I was at Goodison for the coronation of the, the proper football man <laughs> on, on Saturday, Sam Allardyce. You know, the, there was a warm reception without being boiling hot. Yeah. Um, he still doesn't convince me that he's he's philosophically aligned to that club. But will the Big Sam effect take effect at Anfield? Well, a shortcut to the affections of the fans would be winning at Anfield, which is something successive managers haven't done. And one thing that will appeal to Evertonians is the Glaswegian words gallusness, I'm not quite sure what the English word is, but it means that kind of cocky self-assurance. That, that's what Sam's mm. got. Did come across... A, yeah. a lot on Saturday. Well, he'll. Well, Everton fans hate the fact that their team has, has had this kind of inferiority complex against Liverpool for so long, particularly Anfield, has gone, tried to defend, you know, quite often been beaten heavily. And um, Sam will try and defend at Everton at, at Anfield, but he'll have a, a plan to get under Liverpool's skin. He'll try and, you know, assault them in the air. We know what he'll do and he'll go there with conviction and an expectation of trying to do something. And that'll appeal. And, and what I like about him as Everton manager is the sense of theatre that he might bring to that club. There's not much else that makes sense, to be quite honest. Um, well, exactly. I think exactly what Everton need at this moment in time is that image of Sam Allardyce mm -hmm. stood on the touchline with his earpiece in mm. because you know he's buying into the analytics. Chewing all like time. a maniac. Che chewing like a maniac because <laughs> yeah. he cares and he's got the adrenaline and nervous energy which you want. Because what they've had is management that has been. Cold, yeah. It's just been, been. It's been lost. It looks like yeah. it hasn't worked out what you need to play, what formation you need, what balance in the team you need. It's all been done by intuition as opposed to science. Yeah, yeah. And Sam brings that sense of, don't worry, we have, don't worry, we have got good players, yeah. but I'll just play them in the right place at yeah. the right time. And um, the, you, I think you're hinting, aren't you, that he's just too pragmatic for a club like him. Yeah, well, there, there were a couple of moments. But they played nice football. There were they a couple of moments. Nice at the he, he applauded wildly when, I think it was Williams, hoofed the ball to <laughs> Rose Z. Yeah. But there was also a much more telling moment where they were a bit flixy and tricksy and they lost the ball and he went ballistic. He went mad. He was puce. And that, I think, there's an element of theatre in any football manager yeah. in, a, in a dugout, isn't it, or in the technical area. But you could see people picking up on that. I suppose there's a bit of an emotional momentum yeah. going on there. I, 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 mean, I, I don't think style-wise 
Everton fans will be that bothered. I mean, they, they, they talk about the School of Science, but um, Martin like, like, like they talked about the West Ham Academy. Exactly. Know, meaningless nonsense, isn't it? It is. And, 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 and it's a very raw ground, Goodison. They actually just want to see the ball go forward. Martinez had great problems when he had John Stones trying to knock it across his own defence to, to Funes Mori. So, actually, I don't think style is the issue with Sam. I think, for me, the issue is he'll be a really good short-term appointment. I, I agree he'll bring what they haven't had recently, he'll keep them in the league, there'll be a bit of pragmatism. But a club that's spending £8 million, potentially, if he stays, keeps them up, a year on a manager, could almost have any manager in the world. And a club that wants to get to the top seven, top six, and, and join the big boys, and has got a billionaire owner behind them, is that the appointment to take you there in the long term? You know, I think there was an opportunity there to point somebody like a Sean Dyche or a foreign equivalent that could grab the club and build over the long term and use that money and use those resources. And it isn't going to be Sam. I mean, we, it, that is not what Sam does. But it's what he wants to do. And I'm interested well, to see. This is his big chance, don't you yeah. think? This is the only yeah. chance he's Yeah, you're get. right, you're right. Yeah, well, this, this is the soap opera star playing Shakespeare. They've got a chance to do something with some you know, artistic merit, if you like. You know? <laughs> and that sometimes happens. In in the world of theatre, that sometimes happens. An actor who you think is only suitable to TV roles will do wonderful in Hollywood or on the West End stage. It can happen. And he, I, I let's give him a chance. We were prepared yeah. to let him be England manager. Let's give him a chance. Let's see if he can go Very with, with money, <laughs> with money, and be a top four manager eventually. Yeah, be interesting to see how he deals with the younger players. You know, Calvert-Lewin did really well on Saturday, scored a good goal, set up, set up with the other one with a flick. Looks very tired, though. Tom Davis, I don't think he ever had a lot of pace. Mm. He was found out a bit. Mm. John Joe Kenny, who's had a bit of a dodgy spell, was terrific. Young players are going to go do this, aren't they? It's going to be up and down. But Sam's really into his analytics, so he will know that. Mm. He will be on top of that. But does he trust young players? Would he just say, look, let's just go and buy a few players in on, in January and make sure we're all OK? Well, he will spend any money he can get his fingers on. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, why wouldn't he? Because he's, he's... To be fair to him, he's got two things going on here. One is he has to... They cannot re flirt with relegation at any mm. point from now on, otherwise he'll be they seen won't, as a they failure. They won't, they won't now, surely. But how does he guarantee that? He guarantees that by spending money in January. And why wouldn't you? Why would any manager not... Not that you get a lot in January these days. Mm. It's, a, it's a poor window to operate in. But I, d I think in terms of the young players, I think he will trust them if their stats are good enough, and that's all it's about. Mm. We're at Liverpool. Mm. And funny enough, Jurgen Klopp praised his analysts during yeah. the win at Brighton. Yeah. Chris Hewton said they were the best team that they'd faced this season. you understand why he said that? I, I do, because going forward, you can make a case at Liverpool or on a, on a level, if not better than Man City, but I don't think a team that's got Emre Shan and Wijnaldum at the back can be <laughs> yeah. the best team in the country. And that's not an insult to those players, you know, that, that's just highlighting the kind of disparity between Liverpool's quality up front and their options at the back. But um, counter-attacking, which is a slightly different emphasis for Klopp, you know, that he's just counter-attacking from much deeper and he's using the pace that, that, that Salah's got in particular. I mean, they're doing it as, as well as anyone I've ever seen in the Premier League, even thinking that United team when Ronaldo was in his pomp and they could break from one box to the other in 10 seconds. Liverpool are doing the same and they've got, they've got so many goals from, from the three or four players they do have going forward. This is without Lallana coming back in and playing a full part, with Mane being injured at, at the weekend. So 
they are incredibly strong in that department and brilliant to watch. But if they go in against Big Sam and Everton with Chan and Wijnaldum at the back, then they will concede goals. Mm, but their pace up front will surely expose Everton at the back, won't they? Oh, yes, Everton's defence mm. is a bit of a mess. I mean, this is why I think... Uh, Sam was applauding um, Ashley Williams mm. hoofing the ball because that is a positive thing for Ashley Williams to do because he's had a dreadful season. Mm. His pace has gone, which means that his self-confidence yeah. yeah. has gone, which means his decision-making is poor. So he has to start applauding him to make him feel better. Mm. If, you, if you've lost your pace, Ashley, boot it out. He's mm. probably told him that and he was doing as he was told. Uh, but yes, I think it could be a... They're always they're always nil-nil or one-one and mm. then... Liverpool clinch it if it's Anfield, don't they? Uh, it's, it, but this could be break the mould and be quite a high-scoring game, I think, mm -hmm. simply because, as you say, both defences are really quite appalling. But it's quite interesting, Ali, watching on Saturday how the relationship between Allardyce and Wayne Rooney almost blossomed as the, as the game went on. They were talking you know, during breaks in play. Rooney was basically telling the young players you know, what end was up. Will Rooney be a key figure at Goodison this season? If he can play like that regularly, I find Rooney's form does dip alarmingly. Um, the, if, if you'd offered me Everton job, I would say the most important thing to sort out is the relationship between Rooney and Gilfie Sigurdsson, mm. because all they'd done was get in each other's way. Two very good players mm. to have at your club were cancelling each other out, and it was they were getting the most frustrating club to watch for that reason alone, actually. What you had on the weekend was a Rooney playing much deeper, orchestrating sort of role, which is what he wants. Yeah. And so I think you've got to tell him, OK, you can have that role as long as your stats are good enough and your pass rate's good enough, but you have to stay there. You can't start moving forward and blocking off what other creative players are doing because Gilby Sigurdsson could play for deeper as well as mm. he does for Iceland. You've got, they've got, Sam has to define what roles those two play and make sure they are greater than the sum of the parts than cancelling each other out all the time. So I think um, what Allardyce has to do with Rooney is just is, is find that thing which makes him realise what he's good at. And he doesn't have to be the boy wonder every match mm. and play all over the pitch. He has to be disciplined. If, he's going to, if he thinks he can spray 40-yard passes mm. and make the game flow, fine, but stay there. Don't suddenly do this sort of buzzy bee thing where you mm. think you have to be Roy of the Rovers. Because it, it, it just ruins Everton when they do that. Mm. With Champions, we're in Champions League week. Mm. Um, Liverpool possibly under the most threat. They just need a draw at home. Yeah, I mean, and they're under threat just because, going back to the defence, you know that they're capable of blowing any situation, uh, apart from when they're 5-1 up at Brighton. Just because they've they've done it, they've done it in, in Seville and all that. Exactly, particularly in the Champions League. That said, um, I'd be surprised if it happens because they are in a very very good moment and they will score. Um, and you know, Anfield, yeah, it sh should be enough for them. It should be enough for them. They should win the group, which I think will be a very good achievement for them. And it's interesting. I saw that a stat today saying that Klopp has rotated more than any other manager in the Premier League. Um, this season, which shows he's got his head round something he, he didn't work out last year, which is how to deal with the, the fixture calendar. Because if you think of them blowing up in, in January and February last year when they were tired, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Mm, there'll be some rotation both for City and United, I'm assuming. You know, the City and Donetsk, they can probably put some kids in their phone and people like that. United, I think it's as long as they don't concede seven goals, they're okay. 
So again, you probably look at Mourinho looking at the squad. What of Tottenham? It seems to me that they, they're in need of a, a life-affirming result this week. I, I, oh, Tottenham. I, I mean, <laughs> just saying those words make me think, oh, my goodness, because they have, what they have done, I did not anticipate happening. Mm. Their season has been an inversion of what I expected. I thought they were really going to uh, threaten to take the title this season. I had a lot of faith in Pochettino being one of those managers who sucks up knowledge, learns, applies mm. it. Um, and that there was enough about Spurs for people to be afraid of them and for them to have an aura of capability. Mm. But I thought, never really... Pochettino's record in the Cups, he's never really no. got to grips with rotation. And suddenly we've got them having, you know, the, the world at their feet in terms of how they've performed in Europe. Real Madrid couldn't cope with Harry Kane. Mm. They were scared of Harry Kane. Scared of Pochettino, Pochettino being linked to going to Real Madrid as a manager. All the things I didn't think were happening, that they would storm it in Europe. And in the league, they've faltered, they've struggled with Wembley. We've got to the stupid point now where, where Pochettino would want to say, let's not talk about a Wembley curse, that's just stupid. Mm. He, before anyone mentions it, he now says, oh, it is hard at Wembley, as mm -hmm. an excuse for poor results. So they, they, they are the mystery team of the season so far. Mm. And to answer your question, I honestly, I think they will play well against Apoel, but I don't think it's going to matter terribly much. I think the season has, has reached a crisis point far earlier than it should have done. Mm. I, think, I think we're seeing the thinness of the squad, aren't we? Yeah. That, that they've, they've been reliant on absolute key players. Um, and they look shattered, don't they? They look, they, they look knackered. Um, and, and he, you know, of course, as Ali says, he doesn't rotate and he works them incredibly hard. At some point, it's going to catch up. But Alderweireld. Deli Alley falling off a cliff in terms of performance. Eriksson's knackered after taking Denmark the World Cup. Yeah. Moussa Dembele is a fantastic player and probably the unsung kind of, for me, star in that team is just that little bit too old now, gets injuries. And, you know, the, the guys around them are fine. Kyle Walker's been a miss as well. Mm. Danny Rowe's been out. So, you know, they're not a city or a United where... There's a cast of, of, of really good players to come in, and that is starting to tell. Mm. Talking of Danny Rose, Ali, do you think he'll end up at Man United? All the signs are that mm. he will. Be, no, if they want him, mm. yes. Will they pay him enough? Certainly. <laughs> so, as he, as he flirted with them, yes, he has. And this is the problem with Spurs, isn't it? That they, they're not the sort of club that would mm. say, no way are we having one of our top players poached, here's a new deal. They regard it as blackmail and they'll, interference and they won't do it. Yeah, they'll see it as good business. They'll think he's 26, 60 million, we'll take Luke Shaw in return. On paper, it's good business. In football terms, it probably set them back. Mm, mm. What about Chelsea? They've got uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, nature of that challenge? Yeah, I mean, Atletico are, are, are starting to come back to what, what we know. They started the season badly, but what, what a great team they are. Um, Conte hasn't been given enough credit, actually, for what he's done in Europe this year. I think Chelsea had a really tricky group, and he hasn't been great in Europe himself, if you look at his Juventus record. But they've, they've, they've navigated some tough situations, should finish top of that group, are in a great moment of form. Aiden Hazard is, is you know, back to almost his best. Um, and Chelsea v Atletico Madrid's a great tie. It's probably the one I'm looking forward to most of all the games this week. Mm, yeah. Are we in a situation where, if we're realistic, the Premier League's going to be decided between City and United, which is why we made such a song and dance about mm. the derby. 
Is the Champions League Chelsea's best chance of making a real statement this year? And are they capable of doing so? Oh, well, that's an interesting question yeah. because my uh, favourite football experience this season live was being in Roma for when Roma tore into Chelsea mm. and made them look like mm. nobodies because they played yeah. breathlessly ambitious, unfettered, let's enjoy ourselves football and Chelsea were completely uh, wobble, wobble, yeah. wobble. And I thought, no way, is this team going to do well? Gone, yeah. this, let alone qualify. I mean, yeah. I just didn't think they could. But I do have a lot of faith in Conte as a coach, the way he does spot weaknesses yeah. and corrects them. So maybe maybe the, the sort of team that should does win a cup competition of that stature is one that does have a hiccup along the way. It happens in World Cups as well. Yeah. It's, the, it's the teams that have setbacks and are slapped around the face a little bit and then work out they never want that to happen again. So maybe if you have a, an easy group and yeah. you, you serenely go through it without the humiliation of that result in Rome, Maybe that is what it takes to mean that Chelsea could go on and win it. That, that, but that relies on Conte being a great coach, and I believe he is. Mm. What about the other runners and riders? We've got Bayern against PSG, Real Madrid are playing Dortmund, Barca have got Sporting Lisbon. Mm. Do you see winners when you look at those fixtures? Yeah, definitely in Real, P uh, Bayern, PSG. I mean, PSG, Man City are the outstanding teams. Um, I mean, Real Madrid have had a funny season, a very funny season, you know, do again at the weekend. Um, but they're Real Madrid, uh, even though they got beaten by Spurs, you'd, you'd say they're still far more likely to win the Champions League than, well, any of the English clubs except for Man City. Um, so def definitely in those two. Um, but Bayern, Bayern as well, I mean, the yeah, PSG have won that group. I just wonder if Eric... Um, you're Henkes, I was going to say, yeah, at Rebeck, that's always the same rotation. But yeah, I, I wonder if Henkes, with his expertise, is going to mount a second half of the season challenge in the Champions League for Bayern, because they've still got great players. Um, they're going to get through in that group. Um, definitely, definitely worth watching, you know, depending on their draw in the second round. Mm. Europa League, similar question about Arsenal, really. Are they best now looking at making a real go in the Europa League, getting back in the Champions League that way? That's such a good question, because mm. that's exactly what mm. Mourinho had to do last season, and it's exactly why Wenger wouldn't want mm. to do it. He wouldn't want to step in those shoes <laughs> and do that. And I just don't see that as a Wenger type of attitude at all. And maybe that's one of his biggest flaws, is that he's incapable of being that single-minded and that pragmatic about a competition. I think what is more likely to happen is that Wenger will take both competitions very seriously yeah. and not do yeah. well enough in either of them, whereas mm. he has to make that decision, probably. Mm. Yeah. BT Sports Games, Newcastle, mm. Leicester. What do you make of Rafa's, Rafa Benitez at Newcastle? Oh, I mean, overall, you know, it's, it's been terrific for Newcastle to have Rafa Benitez. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of his qualities. Um, I wonder if, at the moment, they're starting to pay for the the kind of air of negativity that he has helped build around the club by continually talking about investment and the need for better signings and the lack of backing from Mike Ashley. All Understandable. Of, yeah, all of which are true. I mean, absolutely, he's, he's true and he, he doesn't hide things, Rafa. That's why he's great to deal with as a, as a journalist. But the club seemed just a little bit sort of 
talked down at the moment. Um, and a strength in Newcastle has always been that sort of positive wave that they're able to, to ride from time to time. They definitely need a, a result soon. It might not come against Leicester because Leicester are doing so well, but you know, I think they've gone, what, six games now without a win? Mm. Five of them defeats, something like that. Mm. Second, um, yeah. yeah, other teams around them are starting to improve. They were fourth, now they're nearly fourth bottom. Um, so yeah, they, they, they need to do something. And they're, going, they're in danger of stagnating yeah. until a deal is announced. Yeah. Because mm. no, you know, no one, no one does think. anything. Yeah. You're just doing that in a vacuum until you know what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. Mm. And if you keep saying you need new players, the ones you've got are going to think, what do you mean, they're I'm, rubbish now? I'm out the door, yeah. 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 <laughs> Similarly with Claude Puel, put the hands up. Mm. When, when, that, <laughs> when, a point, when that appointment Likewise. was made, it was like, you cannot be serious. Mm. But he's actually bedded in quite nicely, hasn't he? Well, it's incredible because he was dumped at Newcastle because he was too conservative. They became the dullest team to watch. At Southampton. Sorry, at Southampton, because yeah. he was, he was yeah. the dullest team to watch. And suddenly he's gone to Leicester and he's rediscovered that mojo they had mm. when they won the... I'm not going to say they're going to rise up the table as fast, but they, they look more like that team, yeah. the mm. team that was enjoying success and enjoying their football, full of self-expression. Mm. Riyad Mahrez, um, if, you know, he, he was looking like a clone of Riyad Mahrez. He was like mm. an imposter. Where has he gone? And now he's back. He's not quite back, but he's almost back. Yeah. And that's got to be down to a coach saying the right things. Yes, amazingly, he's making them look vibrant and attacking. Yeah. Paul Clement, Swansea at home to West Brom on Saturday. Last chance alone? I hope not. Um, and I've spoken to people around Swansea about this, and, and, and they, they say there's still a lot of trust in Clement, that he's helping them plan the transfer window, um, that they appreciate the difficulties he's working under. I mean, you know, they only just avoid relegation, and then they sell the best players. That's going to hurt any manager. And they, then they, the one big signing they make in Boney gets injured for the start of the season. So, you know, trying to make up for Sigurdsson, mm. trying to make up for uh, Lorente going, mm. and Boney's injured. It's difficult And for actually, they, they lost Jack Cork. Yeah. Only for, Cork. for £7 million. Pounds, and it was, that was a financial decision. Yeah. And that does show the, the problems that managers do work under that maybe fans don't understand or realise? No, the financial constraints uh, Clement's working under are ridiculous. Mm. They, 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 they just sold the shop in the yeah. summer and bought nothing. A few loans that have yeah. not worked out. Ridiculous, ridiculous set of circumstances. But it's interesting you say that you feel he's going to stay because well, he they, looks, they he looks that, and talks yeah. like a man who's at the end of his uh, running yeah, out yeah. of ideas. We deserve to be bottom and all that yeah, sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. And the hierarchy say they want to keep him, but it's, it's, it's that classic test, isn't it? Do they keep their word or do they panic? Mm. They must be near the panic zone. Yeah. Some questions from the listeners and the viewers. Um, this is from James Pettit. I'll give it to Ali. Is Eden Hazard the best player in the Premier League? No. Probably not, although there are moments when you forget that it, there's anyone else because he's so mesmerising. Um, but I think statistically it's probably going to be Kevin De Bruyne, mm. I think, because not only does his stats back him up, but I, who would I pay to watch? Probably Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. You say? I, I would say so, yeah. He's, Hazard's probably in the top three, but not even the best Belgian. <laughs> <laughs> right, Paul Fry asks, and we've, we've touched on it, should Spurs drop Deli Alley? He seems to have lost his way, very poor in recent weeks, going down blind alleys. Yes, I think, I think they should. Um, it's frustrated me a lot watching Deli Alley over the last year, actually. I think his development as a player stagnated, and I think he's, he's, he's started to look like 
a guy that's trying to be the star all the time, trying to be the Hollywood footballer, only really interested in scoring goals or making little flicks. I don't think he's... It's almost like he's not really playing seriously and he probably needs a wake-up call. Um, it's just, it just goes back to Spurs squad, though. Who, who's coming in that's of that level? I'm not sure. Mm. I think the way Pochettino's dealt with Ali since he signed him yeah. has been really interesting. He's been incredibly paternalistic, mm. very nurturing, never criticised him even when he's done something divey or mm. fouls or things that haven't, you know, everyone else has had a go at him. He's always said, no, 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 he's a young, he's a young man learning and I have absolute faith in him. Pochettino has to tweak his uh, approach to Deli Alley, definitely. Mm. Now, as you know, we're really biased about every club in the Premier League. A <laughs> uh, couple of questions from either side of the Manchester divide. First from Stu, who's a United fan. Despite scoring more goals than Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal and Liverpool, we still, according to the media, play boring football. Discuss. Well... They don't play boring football. I was at Arsenal at the weekend. It was a fabulous game. Um, but I'm not sure who's saying they play boring football. I think maybe Stu's misinterpreting what we are saying, which is that they play very pragmatic football. And although they're scoring a lot of goals, the goals are coming in a particular way. Um, at the end of games, when they've, killed, they've worn a team down, or on the counter-attack, when they sucked a team forward. So that's pragmatic football. It's smart football. It's not, it's not dull to watch, but it's, there's a predictable pattern to it that isn't there when you watch the spontaneity of a Manchester City or Liverpool going forward. Mm. And they have the most watchable goalkeeper in De Gea. Yeah, yeah he's their most valuable player. I mean, he? you know, you don't normally say, oh, I've enjoyed watching that goalkeeper, but when yeah. I watch De Gea, wow. I do. Mm. He saved him on Saturday, didn't he? Oh, wow. Well, fantastic. Mean, and it's not just his, 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 the saves, it's while he's doing it, the air of calm. You know, he is the guy in the burning deck who's just yeah. still sort of <laughs> serenely going around. Any other keeper would have been screaming at his defence with so many shots raining on his goal. But the fact that he just he, he remained this kind of figure of unbeatability and so calm, I think, helped get United through that. Mm. So from the other side of the barricades, the blue half, Mike Weathers. Lukaku kicks out at Bong twice. Pogba wishes injury upon City players. Pet compliments, albeit angrily, Nathan Redmond. Guess which of the three the FA and numerous journos are concerned with? Yeah, now there is this narrative, isn't there, that, that United are the bad mm. guys under Mourinho and City mm. are the golden boys under Pep and that we're all gushing, rushing to gush over every performance that City produce. But I think the response, for example, to the way that Guardiola spoke to Redmond has been quite balanced in the media mm. and quite a lot of people have pointed out actually that, that we're not keen on that. Mm. Pep, thank you very much. It smacked of arrogance. And you, you, you really can't go up to an opposition player at that point in proceedings and start pushing them mm. and talking. It's very, very patronising apart from anything else. Mm. And if he's not careful, the glow and aura around Guardiola will dissipate because I don't think people like that. He's almost like he's saying he's mm. more important than the Premier League. He's the god yeah. of the Premier League and he can go up to any player, and even if they don't play for City, and tell them how they should mm. be doing things differently. No, no, we're not, we're not going to stand for that. Mm, without wishing to throw petrol on the flames, City fans are very, very sensitive, aren't they? Now, is that yeah. because of where they've come from and where they are now and where they could be in the future? Yeah, it, it, it is. 
they, they, their whole existence has been, you know, the, the unfashionable half, to use, if that's the best word to use, of of a city rivalry. And, and I think that's still in their DNA, the underdogs that nobody rates and everyone laughs at. And I, even now, with the <laughs> richest club in the world, best manager, some of the best players, they've still got that slight underdog mentality, which is why they boo the UEFA anthem and all that sort of stuff. Um, they maybe don't get the projection United or Liverpool or Arsenal get in the media, but you know we know that's because at the moment the readership numbers, the, the the viewing figures are higher for those other teams, and we work in a commercial industry, so we have to try and play to that. So that's that's maybe not fair, but that's how it is, isn't it? So it's quite simple: win the Premier League, win the Champions League, and we love you. Yeah, go on, do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So finally. A bit of uh, England. Mm. The FA say Gareth Southgate won't be sacked regardless of results uh, in Russia. Is that a wise move? Well, I know where they're coming from. I, I, I like Gareth as England manager because for the first time in a long time, the FA have got a plan, actually got a plan, and they want to stick to it. That's great. And it's a logical plan, bring, bring people through the system. A guy that helped actually set up the system is going to do it. But there has to be a need to win in there somewhere. So although it's great to want to keep him long term, if it's a disastrous World Cup, who does it serve saying that's fine, but it doesn't matter, doesn't matter if we don't win, doesn't matter if we get beaten. Does that help development? In principle, though, we know what will happen. If, if they lose all three games, there'll be a media outcry, he'll be a turnip <laughs> on the back page of the Red Tops, and he'll probably end up resigning. Yeah, no, that's a decent shout for what would happen. Um, I'm more offended by the fact that Martin Glenn's getting involved with the football side as though he can somehow get some stardust from a World Cup draw. Let's all forget about mm -hmm. how disastrous the FA has been run in recent years, especially recently. I, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's administrators trying to get involved with the beautiful game and it's got absolutely nothing to do with him. Is it just PR? It's PR's backfiring, so I don't think anyone thought it was a very clever thing to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a PR move, but one thing remains. Gareth Southgate, like his team, should be given a chance to grow. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Mm -hmm.